legends, you're listening to the Off-Road Performance Coach Podcast. If you want to be a beast on and off the dirt bike, you have come to the right place. All I ask from you is if you gain some value out of today's episode, please give it a share and tag me on your socials or your Insta story. I'd be super grateful if you'd share the love. Let's get stuck straight into today's episode. Just things for me. Hello, team. We are back with another podcast today. Plyometrics for moto performance and resiliency. I thought this would be a good follow-up to the podcast from last week on the knee braces. Thing I probably forgot to mention in that, well, I definitely forgot to mention in that podcast how important a, a part of the process that plyometrics are to building resilience in the lower limbs. So I thought for this one today, I would explain to you where I'm coming from with the plyometrics and so you can get an understanding of, of why... I believe they are so important for for moto racers, uh, moto riders, uh, for building that resilience in the lower limb. So obviously it's performance and resiliency, but I guess my overarching overarching premise with training for moto and how I oversee everything that I do for my clients when I'm programming is that the nervous system is king. So the nervous system is always looking for feedback, right? So it's our brain. Our brain sends the signals to our muscles to create the required amount of tension with the required amount of force based on the given task at hand. So obviously now I'm sitting at my desk in a chair, pretty low level of tension and force that I'm having to create. If I was walking down the street, that would obviously be a little bit different. If I was going for a run, it would be a little bit different, etc., etc. So the the nervous system is always looking for feedback. It doesn't know the difference between us being slumped over a road cycle and the difference between us ripping up a heavy dead uh, a heavy barbell in a deadlift, as an example. It's just getting feedback on the environment. And the task at hand, it's like, okay, how much force do I need to produce? How much tension do I need to create to perform this task at hand right now? So if if we think about that, I'm always thinking, how can we best prepare our nervous system for riding dirt bikes? That is the goal of our off-bike training program is to best prepare the nervous system for riding dirt bikes. So it's not about replicating our sport in the gym it's about ensuring when we get on that dirt bike we are not physically limited in any way shape or form so that's why our strength training and including plyometrics is so important because the bike is controlled by the input that we give it so most of that input is coming through our lower body and the feet on the pegs. It's obviously our upper body as well, but if we 
either if you ghosted your bike or you just sat on your bike and you were limp and you just sat on the seat and you did not put any force into the foot pegs and you tried to ride it down a track, it's not going to end very well at all. So it's the force that we create through our body and it's that input that we give the bike that allows the the bike to ride the way it was designed to ride. So there's no denying, I think, anyone who actually looks at what we're doing when we're riding a dirt bike. The bike weighs 110 kilos, 120 kilos in some cases. We've got the rider on top of that, so it's up to and even above 200 kilos of combined mass. We're riding that into and over obstacles at high speeds. So what that equates to is high amounts of force. So in certain situations, we are having to create high force contractions. So in the gym, that's our strength training. So we need to be able to produce high amounts of force. Those contractions actually happen quite slow. So if you're if you're performing, say, a heavy set of squats, maybe five or six reps at a weight that you could maybe have two reps in reserve on your final rep, and you're really grinding it out on those last couple of reps, those it might take like two to three seconds for that contraction, for that rep, for one rep. So that's actually like quite slow. Like things happen a lot faster than that on the dirt bike in certain situations. And the, the our body is most definitely capable of um, faster contractions than that. So an example of when that might happen on the bike, like those slower high force contractions are like landing off a jump say you flat land a jump if you're on a motocross track or even if you're trail riding and you jump off a a washout or a v-dip and you launch into a hard landing maybe you hit a creek bed or a g out a really good example of those is like sand rollers anyone that's ridden a sand race especially something like hatter how rough the track gets at the end of the race in those deep rollers when you're in the tighter stuff, it's maybe third gear and you've got meter deep rollers and you're having to wheelie through them. So you're having to push the rear wheel down and then you're slamming into the face of that next one. So those contractions are happening a little bit slower and they're higher force contractions. Then we would have like high, high velocity contractions. So this is where plyometric training comes in. So a high velocity contraction, it's happening like, it's a split second. It's not taking like two or three seconds. It's like milliseconds. So this is where at the plyometric training comes in and it's, it's preparing our nervous system or training our nervous system to perform explosive contractions reactively. So these things potentially happen they're more reactive. It's when we don't see, it's not like we're preempting. We're not coming up to a jump saying, okay, I got to hit this jump or okay, I'm about to go through this set of rollers. It's like, shit, I just hit a square edged acceleration bump or a rock or a root and the bike stepped out sideways. So we need to be reactive when we ride dirt bikes. Not everything is going to be um, preempted and we're not going to know that everything is going to happen or at least happen the way we think it's going to happen. That Those random random things happen 
And in those situations, we have to perform a more reactive and definitely a more explosive type of contraction. So again, it's just ensuring that the nervous system is prepared for that. Can it actually do it? If we have to perform an explosive movement or perform a reactive movement, have we actually prepared ourselves for that? Because if we haven't, we're probably going to struggle in that situation. So again, like examples of that situation on the bike might be like acceleration chop, might be say wheel tapping a log or a rock when you like slam into it and you've got to like push the back extend and push the back wheel down because if you don't you're just going to get jacked straight over the bars so those types of um, contractions on the bike happen a lot faster and they need to be a lot more reactive so then we have the situation where it's kind of a combination of those high velocity and high force impacts in a random scenario is when things go wrong on the bike and that might be as simple as dabbing a foot around a turn or it might be a crash or it might be having to prop yourself up in a rock garden as an example so in those situations and again like as i mentioned on the last podcast that like dabbing a foot around a turn very common situation where people will injure their knee so if you think about going around a turn, say you're doing 30 kilometers an hour and you jam your foot into the ground, that force has to go somewhere. So it's going to go through your foot, your ankle, your knee, and up into your hip. So the direction of that force could be completely random, depending what happens if you're sliding around a corner and your foot gets pulled out sideways, if you're propping yourself up in a rock garden like it those ranges of motion and the the angles that we get put the force gets put into the joints is very random in those situations so if those if that force exceeds the capacity of what the joint can handle we get that's when we get injured so again it's about it's not about we can't there's no way that we can fully bulletproof ourselves to injury but we can give ourselves our best chance by exposing ourselves to various velocities various forces and various ranges of motion in our training which will give us our best chance at actually being prepared that when we do get into a tricky situation if it's a if we make a mistake or we have a crash or whatever that looks like, that we're going to have the best chance of actually coming out the other side of that without an injury. So that's where the resiliency, we've got the performance side, obviously, where we want the nervous system to be prepared to create those high force, uh, those sorry, high velocity and more reactive contractions. And then we've got the resiliency side of it where we're trying to improve the resiliency of the joints and the resiliency of the connective tissue, etc. So that obviously, like I mentioned in the last podcast, comes from our strength training and mechanical tension. And it also comes from exposing ourselves to, like obviously when we're doing a squat or a deadlift, our feet are fixed to the floor. Our feet aren't moving. So it's very, very controlled and the force is basically straight up and down on the joints. So 
that's sort of similar to when we're riding on the dirt bike and our feet are fixed to the pegs. And for the most part, the force that we're having to produce is straight up and down on, on the pegs. But we do get exposed to random forces and ranges depending on what happens. Again, we dab a foot when we're sliding around a turn, then our, we have to absorb a huge amount of force in a really weird angle or a re- really weird range of motion. So our plyometric training and building that resiliency, it doesn't mean we're going to do really weird and really random shit, but it just means that we want to have a progressive and linear, uh, I guess, layout of exercises that covers as many bases of, as possible. And that's where I see uh, the plyometrics, like the lower level extensive plyos is what uh, they're classed as. If you followed my Instagram story, you will have seen me doing some of them. At I always do them at the start of a session. It's a really great way to prime up the nervous system before you do do some, some heavy lifting. But there's really no limits to them. So really basic one would be just doing a pogo hop or a bound um, sort of forward. So you're moving forward across the ground but are you sick of walking into the gym with no plan spinning your wheels wondering if what you're doing is even going to help you on the dirt bike it's a common thread that i hear from riders and that's why i created the race ready live group program it's my entry level training program providing you a structured and periodized program grounded upon the same principles i use for my clients who are winning gncc and aorc off-road events best thing is You can tailor it to your individual needs based upon the equipment you have available, even if that's only dumbbells and kettlebells, and you can personalize the weekly schedule to suit the days you can and can't train, all inside the Race Ready app on your phone for less dollars than you are spending on coffee each day right now. If you want to actually get results from the effort you're putting in in the gym, link is in the show notes for the details about the Race Ready Live program. There's a whole host of variations and a whole range of of motions that we can cover. So we don't we can do them forwards, we can do them backwards, we can do them sideways, and we can actually do them as a bound, so say a 45 degree angle forwards. So we're exposing the lower limbs to forces and impacts in all those various ranges of motion forwards backwards side to side 45 degree angles so again we're just giving ourselves the best chance possible for the body to be prepared for what we might face when we get on the bike so we're exposing ourselves to some of those forces so i look at like the extensive plyos kind of like your base training so your zone two cardio it's you're never going to stop doing it you're never going to leave it out of the program it's always going to be in there in some some form so that's where our low level plyos that's how i kind of look at them is they're always in the program and we're always just trying to cover all of those bases there's a heap of different variety we, we can throw in there across say the course of a 12-week training cycle to sort of to keep things fresh and to to cover all of those different movement options that we might have. But it's not like we get to a point and we just say, okay, I'm done now. 
I'm really good at them, I'm going to stop doing them. Because again, like I mentioned on that last podcast, as soon as we stop doing something, we go backwards. So when we think of that, those two key components, the performance, we want the nervous system to be prepared. We also want our training to improve the resiliency of our of our body, in this case, our lower limbs. So tendons and ligaments do adapt to, not just to load, but also to the velocity. So the velocity of the impacts is going to affect how our body adapts. And it's like anything, when you start strength training, it's the same thing when you start doing plyos and, and the body has to absorb these sort of higher velocity. Um, impacts the body's like okay if I'm gonna have to start doing this shit all the time consistently then I'm gonna have to get stronger so it builds better quality connective tissue so over time with consistency we're going to improve the nervous system's capacity to produce these higher velocity more reactive contractions and we're also going to improve our resiliency and build better quality connective tissue so this progressive overload is king so it's it's about having a linear uh progression to work through and that's probably the biggest thing that i've learned and been able to develop over the last few years uh is mapping that out and sort of breaking that process down into a linear progression so you've got uh i guess a pathway to sort of move through as you would any other type of training. Same with cardio training or strength training. You're not just going to come into the gym day one and just go hardcore, high intensity work straight away. There's, You've got to build your capacity to do it, uh, to do the more intense work. Same with strength, strength. Same with strength training, same with cardio. It's the same with plyos. We've got to build our capacity and that's where this sort of, the low, the extensive pliers and the the pogo hops the bounds etc fits that's the way i see it how it fits in there is it's it's our capacity work and we're going to keep it in the program all of the time so that journey is going to look a little bit different for every person i've got clients who are 55 years old who have had multiple knee injuries over their years so their journey is going to look and the the I guess their volume and their capacity, the intensity is going to look a little bit different to a 21-year-old client who's never had an injury in his life before. So on my individualized programs, I obviously personalize that for every individual based on their situation. The Race Ready Live program, our day three session at the moment, we're in season. So that day three session is a little bit more of a like a, a power-based or velocity-based session. So the weights are a little bit lighter in that session. And that emphasis of the goal is to move those weights as fast as we possibly can. So in that session, we're at the moment, we're including some of the lower level extensive plyo work with a couple of pogo variations in there. Just again to keep a touch on that and just to build some capacity and some resilience uh, in those situations work anymore 
or I don't need to do any strength training anymore because I'm strong enough. Um, it's the same thing with our plyos. They're always going to be in there. It's not They're not just for rehab. They're, they're part of the process to developing a well-rounded athlete. And I believe super duper important for preparing us for riding dirt bikes. If you're like me, potentially, I played a tiny bit of basketball and a tiny bit of football as a kid, but I knew like those sports weren't for me. I've never been into ball sports. I've just been like a diehard moto guy. That's the only sport I've ever done. When I first started doing plyometrics, even though I was reasonably strong, like I had a decent foundation of strength, it was super challenging for me because if you're not used to playing a ball sport or like basketball or football where you actually have to jump and coordinate your body to move, um, again, it's very different to doing a squat. When we're doing a squat or a deadlift, it's happening very, very slowly and our feet are fixed to the floor. So performing a plyometric and actually having to move your body as fast as you can, it's very different and perhaps very uncomfortable if you've never done it before because you're probably going to feel real uncoordinated. So that's okay. That's actually a good thing. Like, And honestly, that's why I, I think I fell in love with them so much is like, because I was like, I felt like a white belt again, like full beginner spec. And I could see the progression. Like anything, when you do it consistently, you will see the progression. And once you do anything and start to feel progress, it's like it feels good when you can see yourself actually getting better and you can you can feel the difference. Um, then just not to mention, like, I always feel awesome after I do them. Like, there is a whole host of... There's a lot of um, research and a lot of talk out there that gets, gets put out about how plyometrics, how beneficial it is for hormone production. So that obviously strength training is also good for hormone production, but again, it's different. It's a different contraction, um, different environment than when we're actually trying to do things really, really fast and, and move explosively. Super, maybe it's the hormone thing, or maybe it's just because you're jumping around like a kid again. I don't know what it is, but whenever I do plyos, like I feel awesome after it. It makes me feel energized and and feel a lot more athletic after I've done them even though I'm not like I'm not going to slam dunk a basketball ring anytime soon that's for sure but I've personally I've seen a huge amount of progress um just by being consistent with them and doing a little like a few exercises maybe for 3 rounds at the start of each workout that that's it it's not a huge amount of volume like you can get through it in like five to 10 minutes, um, but you do it consistently every session, every week. Um, so that's why I love plyos. That's why I think they're super duper important. And that's why we include them in, well, I include them in all of my clients' programs and we include them uh, to a degree in the Race Ready Live program. So if you have any questions about plyos or about anything at all send us a dm on instagram 
Or if you'd like to sign up to my email list, you can send me a reply to one of my emails. I've been getting a few out each week lately. I always try and include some value and some learnings in there that you guys can apply to your own training and your own writing. So I'll drop a link in the show notes of this episode. If you're not on the email list, you can sign up to that as well. Otherwise, we will see you all on the next episode, which I'll get another one out later this week. Until then, bye for now.